Dear loving Father in heaven, we thank you for how you have given us this privilege of life, which we know we don't deserve. We are grateful to you, Lord, that your kindness and your love and your charities always bestowed upon us in that you provide for us the basic necessities of life and we know that you send your word to us to sanctify us. You sent your son to die for our sins and you sent your Holy Spirit and the Holy Angels to help us to perfect our characters. Lord, we are conscious of these gifts and we prize them, Lord, and say glory be unto your name. May they not all labor in vain, all the things you've done for us, Lord. That's why we pray now that as we go through our devotion, fellowshipping with you, that you would grant us graciously understanding, wisdom, knowledge, impress on our hearts the truths that you want us to learn. A very important one, Lord. Please, everyone who is listening, grant us this grace and put your words in my mouth that I may properly communicate that which you want to give to your children to the end that the character of the Lord may be revealed in us. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, December 17 Love one another Herein is love Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10 and 11 After the ascension of Christ, John stands forth as a faithful, earnest laborer for the Master. The love for Christ which glowed in his heart led him to put forth earnest, untiring labor for his fellow men, especially for his brethren in the Christian church. Christ had bidden the first disciples love one another as he had loved them. After the descent of the Holy Spirit, when the disciples went forth to proclaim a living Savior, their one desire was the salvation of souls. They rejoiced in the sweetness of communion with saints. They were tender, thoughtful, self-denying, willing to make any sacrifice for the truth's sake. In their daily association with one another, they revealed the love that Christ had enjoined upon them. But gradually, a change came. The believers began to look for defects in others. They lost sight of the Savior and his love. John, realizing that brotherly love was waning in the church, urged upon believers the constant need of this love. It is not the opposition of the world that most endangers the Church of Christ. It is the evil cherished in the hearts of believers that works their most grievous disaster and most surely retards the progress of God's cause. There is no surer way of weakening spirituality than by cherishing envy, suspicion, fault-finding and evil surmising. On the other hand, the strongest witness that God has sent His Son into the world is the existence of harmony 
and union among men of varied dispositions who form his church. Unbelievers are watching to see if the faith of professed Christians is exerting a sanctifying influence upon their lives, and they are quick to discern the defects in character, the inconsistencies in action. Christians are all members of one family, all children of the same Heavenly Father, with the same blessed hope of immortality. Very close and tender should be the tie that binds them together. Let us not love in word, the apostle writes, but in deed and in truth. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Love One Another. This love we talked about in the previous devotion, that if we must have the victory over self, there must be love in our hearts, love for God. But love for God is revealed in how we relate with our fellow men. If we love God, we must love our fellow men also. One person who stands forth as a propagator and a proponent of this principle of love is a man called John the Beloved. He had the privilege of understanding deeply the principle of love. He is the one who is called the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we have seen in previous devotions why this is the case. It is that everyone heard the same things John heard. But the way they responded to it was not the way John responded. John drew closer to the Lord. Not because God gave Jesus gave him any special attention. He gave all of them equal attention. But John seemed to respond better than others to the sacrifice of Jesus. When he was in Patmos, which we'll look in subsequent devotions how he arrived there, he received a message of the Lord telling him that this love was waning in the church. Jesus gave a message, the message to the seven churches. You can find it in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. This message is a message for God's people in all time till the time that Jesus will come. To the first church, which is represented as Ephesus, which represents the church after Jesus ascended from about AD 31, which was in the time of John the Beloved. To that church, Jesus said in the book of Revelation 2, reading from verse 1, it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. But then verse 4 he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Amen. This first love that was lost by the disciples of the early church had long begun to creep in in the days of Paul. 
Paul observed it and said in Philippians 2 verse 20 and 21, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. We have seen how someone like Demas had lost the first love and gone after the things of this world. There was also a man called Alexander the Coppersmith who withstood Paul and they were there was creeping into the church if you look at the church in Corinth how it was that something was happening to them they were not having the love of God as supreme in their hearts after many of the apostles had died and John was left he observed the same thing the love that once actuated the disciples to have all things common in the days when they sold the things they had to the service and propagation of the gospel, that love was well nigh gone. Those days were past now. Those days when Peter preached, 3,000 were brought into the church and they had all things come on. Nicodemus sold all he had and gave to the work of God. Barnabas had sold most of what he had, given to the work of God, and many others did the same thing and they had all things come on. Those days were now past. The Christians had now become self-seeking like we read in Conflict and Courage, page 357, paragraph 4, the, be the believers began to look for defects in others. They lost sight of the Savior and His love. John, realizing that brotherly love was waning in the church, urged upon believers the constant need of this love. Now, what is the consequence of not having this love? Hear these words. It says, It is not the opposition of the world that most endangers the church of Christ. It is the evil cherished in the hearts of believers that works their most grievous disaster and most surely retards the progress of God's cause. There is no surer way of weakening spirituality than by cherishing envy, suspicion, fault-finding and evil surmising. On the other hand, the strongest witness that God has sent His Son into the world is the existence of harmony and union among men of varied dispositions who form His church." End of quote. What was it that showed that this love was waning? Envy, suspicion, fault-finding, evil surmising. We read that they began to look for defects in others. There's something painful that I usually hear among fellow brethren. Sometimes one brother offends another brother or sister, whoever they are related as brothers in Christ. And I hear from some of them, not once, not twice, a lot of times, some people will report a case to me and say, oh, this brother did this or this sister did that. And then they will say, and he calls himself a Christian. Oh, that is just kicking below the belt. What are you saying? That because of the defect of character in one of your brother, you want to deprive him and strip him of his privilege to call himself a Christian. Were it to be you who were the judge, you would say you are not worthy to be a Christian just because the person offended you or you saw one defect in the person's character. If you loved, you would not say that. But if love for self is greater than love for your brother, of course you would say that because the person offended you and self has been touched. And now that self has been touched, it's so painful to you that you will go as far as saying about your brother or your sister and you say you are a Christian. And yet, look at what you did. 
So what, what response do you want such a person to say knowing very well that possibly they really have a defect in their character? What do you want now? For them to run away from Christ? Realizing now that they are not a Christian based on your judgment? We should be careful the kind of words we use and the thoughts we cherish. But that is not the problem. I think the problem, in fact I know the problem, is love for self. That is the problem. When self is so loved and cherished and protected, if you are offended just a little, you would react in such a manner. Envy, suspicion, fault-finding, and evil surmising. It says there is no surer way of weakening spirituality than cherishing these traits. But as of in opposition to that, we are to come and harmonize together even though we have varied dispositions. That is the evidence that we give to the world, the strongest witness that God sent his son into the world. And this kind of love is what we are to have. It is clearly set forth in the words written by Paul when he said in Philippians 2 verse 1 to 5, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. What is the mind being referred to? It is the mind of not doing anything through strife or desire to exalt self, vain glory. The desire to see oneself as better than another is not the good desire, but rather the mind of esteeming others better than ourselves. That is what the Lord wants in us. This is the love being referred to. Reading on in verse 6 down, it says, who being in the form of God. That's let this mind be in you from verse 5, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now from verse 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I'll stop in verse 8 there. When Christ gave himself as a sacrifice for us, Whose life did he esteem to be of greater importance and value? Our own lives. He gave it up for us. He gave his own life for us so that he was showing to us that our lives was of greater value to him than, he, than for him to keep his own life. Do we esteem others' life to be of more value than our own lives? If we do, we will not be found preserving ourselves at the expense of others. We would rather be found laboring to secure the best gift of eternal life for our brother. For this is love. Anything we do that places another person at a disadvantage to secure life eternal is not love. When Jesus said in John 17 verse 3 that this is life eternal to know God, and then John also wrote in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, Hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Now remember, to have life is to know God. 
to keep the commandments is to know God. Therefore, to have life is to keep God's commandments. In fact, Jesus said it to the rich young ruler, if thou would enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, we're not talking about how the commandment is kept because we cannot keep it by ourselves. It's only by faith. But at least we know that in the end, anybody who must have life must be found with a character in harmony with the moral law, with the commandments of God. And now, how is this? The law points us to our duty to our fellow men. That is what it means to love our brothers. That is what the commandment is. 1 John 5 verse 1 to 3 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat love, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Paul expressed it this way in the book of Romans 13 verse 8 to 10. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the Lord. Amen. And in John 14 verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. How do we show love for one another? By keeping the commandments. If we love one another, we will not break the commandments. If you take the, lo- the commandments and break it down, you realize that. The love revealed by Jesus, if practiced by Christians, will banish all self-seeking, desire for exaltation, ambition for the first place, and covetousness. It is selfishness and a lack of love that leads one to be envious and sensitive to being on the top. Jesus left his high position that we may be lifted up. Angels find their greatest joy in serving us so that we can be elevated to an even greater height and position than that which they occupy. If we have the spirit of self-sacrifice in love, we will not be in the business of competing and comparing ourselves with one another, for this is not love. In the words of Paul, he says about love in 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 1 to 3, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profited me nothing. To explain this further reading from the Spirit of Prophecy in our Acts of the Apostles, page 318, paragraph 2, we are told, No matter how high the profession, he whose heart is not filled with love for God and his fellow men is not a true disciple of Christ. Though he should possess great faith and have power even to work miracles, yet without love his faith would be worthless. He might display great liberality, but should he from some other motive than genuine love bestow all his goods to feed the poor, the act would not commend him to the favor of God. In his zeal, he might even meet a martyr's death. Yet, 
if not actuated by love, he would be regarded by God as a deluded enthusiast or an ambitious hypocrite. End of quote. Continuing now from 1 Corinthians 13, from verse 4, he says, The qualities of love now, charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunted not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. Did you get that part? Seeketh not her own. That is, when making decisions, they are not thinking of how is it going to benefit me, but rather like Paul. And like every other Christian will do, how is this going to benefit them? How is it going to benefit the world? How was what was Christ thinking about his death? Was it was there any benefit in him in it for him? No. Every drop and sliver of benefit in the death of Christ is for you and for me and for the rest of the world. Nothing in it for him. That is charity. Seeketh not her own. Then the next one is not easily provoked thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Amen. If we find ourselves envying one another and comparing ourselves among ourselves, we lack that love which Christ enjoined should exist among us. How do you feel when you hear about the good things happening to another person? Is the first thought in your mind about how you wish you had also what they had, how you wish that it was you it happened to? Do you feel bad when you see something that someone has that you wish you have? Are you happy to be in that misery that loves company? content to know that you are not the only one suffering but as soon as you see that someone is not in the same shoes as you maybe the person becomes financially better than yourself or materially better than yourself you begin to feel insecure if you are in this condition you need the love of christ the love of christ does not envy but seeks to be poor that others may be made rich another mark of love is the love for those who do the right thing. In 1st John chapter 3, reading from verse 11 to 15, it says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Amen. So, Cain slew Abel. Why? Because Abel was righteous. If you find yourself being offended or irritated in the presence or when you hear of those who are doing right, then you do not have that love. If you, you, We must test ourselves. Like I was saying before, your response to hearing good news about your brother or your sister will show whether you love or not. If all you are thinking about at that moment is that you just heard something and you are thinking of how you can get that thing rather than rejoicing in what your brother has gotten, then your love is questionable. 
not that we cannot wish good things for ourselves but if we are sad because we hear oh my sister has gotten married and i'm not married or my sister has a child and i don't have or look at my brother how he's doing very well he has a job and his job is well paying so-called and mine is not paying as much as his own and then you are feeling sad about it and you are striving even if you're not feeling sad but there's this competitive spirit oh then you have you need a dose of the love of christ when you hear good news and you want to downplay it you hear of something good that happened to your brother or sister and you just want to downplay what you heard and you do not rejoice in it and when i say good news i mean good things with respect to overcoming with respect to somebody maybe commenting on a good character that someone has and you want to downplay it that's a sign of envy we must learn to love one another we must learn to not strive for supremacy but like our lord jesus we will be seeking like the holy angels in heaven not seeking our own things but considering others as better than ourselves i pray that the lord will grant us understanding of what this means because i do not think that i have words enough to break it down because even the bible it writes it just there for us to read but i pray the spirit of the lord is impressing on your hearts the various areas where you need to manifest this love many of us have envy in our hearts we strive for the supremacy when we hear of our own siblings or brethren who are doing this or that sometimes we are sad we don't want to hear it we wish that all of us were on the same level we don't want to hear that somebody has more funds than ourselves or more material things than ourselves instead of wishing that it should be theirs all things are for you like paul said we have become poor that you may be made rich we have done all this for you he wrote to the people of corinth like jesus did for us leaving all the glories of heaven giving his life up that we may have life he didn't consider life to be something to hold on to as far as we were perishing he would rather perish that we may live he sought not his own things but he was seeking our own things if we do not have this character can we enter into heaven this is the mind of christ this is the image of god that i pray for every time we're doing our devotion that it may be restored in us the spirit of self-sacrificing love but this spirit is revealed by one who keeps the commandments of god if you love your brother like i was talking about earlier you wouldn't go around saying such making such comments about your brethren maybe gossiping them or whispering or rejoicing when you hear a news of the fall of one of your brother maybe you heard that this sister or this brother did something wrong and to you it's a it is it news for rejoicing you are not filled with sadness or sorrow when when david was when somebody came to report to david about the death of saul and was rejoicing that david slew that person for claiming to be the one that even did it in the first place how do you react when people bring news to you about your brother about something that they did about the mighty fallen david wept and said how are the mighty fallen tell it not in god publish it not in the streets of ashkelon but many of us want to publish it publish it everywhere if you love your brother 
you won't do that. How many of us, if you love your spouse, for example, your wife or your husband, will want to go around publishing the news of that your spouse, the evil things that they have done? How about yourself? Maybe your, your spouse is even, you can do that. But how about yourself? Do you go around saying the evil things about yourself? The secrets that's of your own life? Do you do that? Do you say to yourself, oh, how can you do this? If you were a Christian, you will not do this. You don't say that to yourself. But when you say that of others, it shows that you do not love them because you love yourself. And that's the reason you don't do that to yourself. You don't look down on yourself. You don't treat yourself with contempt because of some evil in your nature and some defect in your character. Then, if, that, if you don't treat yourself that way, but you treat others that way, what does that show about you? It shows that you don't love that person. That's what it shows. Love is revealed in patience for the defects of others, not in looking out for it and publishing it. Love is revealed in not envying your brother, but rather rejoicing with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, we are told. Weep with those who weep is what the word of God says to us. Not rejoice when they are weeping or be sorrowful when they are rejoicing. That is a spirit of the devil. And of course, the context of the rejoicing and weeping is in the context that people are rejoicing in that which is good because love does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in good. And love does not weep over good but rather over the iniquities that we see in others and in the world. How is love shown? It is also shown by acts of sacrifice. The Father and the Son showed us His love by sacrificing themselves for us. 1 John 3 verse 16 to 18 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Amen. What does love do for us? We lay down our lives for our brethren. How do you lay down your life when you are, if you are seeking for the first place if you are self-seeking looking for how you can grab not how you can give we lay down our lives for the brethren the way jesus did by doing things in such a way to secure eternal life for them that is it that's the principle anything you do that places someone in a position where they are sinning against god you do not love them but even your indifference and your inactivity towards your brethren shows you don't love but love is a principle of action it is shown in giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. What he gave? His only begotten son. If you love your brethren, you will give your time. You will give your talent. You will give your resources. You will give all that you own to see how you can help them secure eternal life. This is what it means to lay down your life. Your life is measured by time. To give your time to your brethren. To give your time and use it in such a way that you are blessing others to help them to secure eternal life you are laying down your life by laying down your time you are laying down your life by giving your skills by giving your money and all resources you own to the end that you may help others secure eternal life this shows that you love 
But if you cannot sacrifice your time to go and have a Bible study with someone, if you cannot sacrifice your money and your resources to see how you can help yourself and others to secure eternal life, then we are not laying down our lives. If we cannot make these sacrifices, we are not laying down our lives. I tell you the truth. Your motive for labor is very important. I know that there is a difference between laboring to serve self and laboring to serve others. I know what I'm speaking of. There are times when the Lord has helped me to understand this, to put my hand to the plow and work. But when I'm working, the mindset I have is that I may have that I may give to others. And I pray that the Lord will give every one of us the grace to have a different motive. I'm saying this because there's a thin line between working for self and working for others. Even in the preservation of yourself, your motive should be that you may extend your life on this earth so that in staying around, you may be a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto the Lord, not just to prolong life and, and just enjoy yourself. The longer you stay alive in doing service to God, the better for the people of the world. So you're actually giving yourself as a living sacrifice to the Lord in eating right, in sleeping well, in also taking care of yourself in every way possible. You are in servicing yourself that way, you are preserving yourself to be used as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord to do work to bring others into the knowledge of the truth and i pray that we all will understand what it means to make this sacrifice this is how we should love first john 4 verse 7 to 11 tells us beloved let us love one another for love is of god and everyone that loveth is born of god and knoweth god he that loveth not knoweth not god for god is love in this was manifested the love of god toward us because that god sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him, hearing his love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Amen. Verse 16 says, And we have known and believed the love God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this present world. Let me stop there for now. How? What does love eventually do to us? Perfect love will bring us to a position where our character is like that of Christ, not when he comes, but in this present life. That's why he said in verse 17 of 1 John 4, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we. In what sense? Is it in our mort- in our body, immortality? No. As he is in character, so are we in this present world. Going on in verse 18, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not perfect, is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hated his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have we from him, that he who loveth God will love his brother also. Amen. Do you know that whatsoever you do to your brother, you are doing to Christ? 
when we begin to see things in that perspective, I think it will change a lot of the way we relate to one another. When you are about to speak a fault-finding word, when you are about to envy, remember that it is Christ you are envying in your brother. Remember that it is Christ you are finding fault in in your brother. Remember that it is Christ that you are surmising evil of and suspecting as you are doing that to your brother. Let us learn to understand that if we will love God, we must first of all show it by our love for our fellow men. You cannot say you love God and then you treat men differently and then treat God differently. Love for God is shown in how we treat our fellow men. And this is the love that God has to us that he gave his son, he sent him. And we also are to learn that if God loved us in such a manner to send his son to die for us and the son died on the cross of Calvary for our sins, gave his life for us, then we must love one another in like manner. You cannot die for Jesus in the sense that he needs your death to save him. No, you can't save him. He doesn't need to be saved. But if we love Jesus, we will love our brother. And this love is shown in the ways I've listed by giving ourselves, dying for our brethren. And I've explained what that means. That is to use our time and resources strictly for the preservation of eternal life for our brothers, which is to give them the truth. That's how people get eternal life and to do the same for ourselves. More can be said about this. I pray that the Lord will impress on our hearts what it means to love what it means to have a motive of love in the things we do. May the Lord give us a grace that love shall actuate every word, every thought, every action, that we may be purified and made perfect in love, that as Christ is so, will we be in this world. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, thank you for this, this devotion. I know that this subject of love cannot be talked of enough and in words which cannot properly do justice to this topic I have spoken. But I pray, Lord, that it shall not be my words that people will hear, but that your spirit shall impress with these words, impress on the hearts of all who are listening, the need for self-sacrifice and love, the need to put away envy, jealousy, suspicion, evil song rising from us, the need to put away the criticism and pointing out defects and fault-finding in our lives and evil-speaking. Lord, help us to love our brethren, to give up ourselves and our lives completely for others, that even when we work, our motive shall not be selfish, but shall be to the glory of the Lord and for love for our fellow men. Transform us, O Lord, that we may become like you, that we may put others first and see others as better than ourselves that in this mind of Christ we may lower ourselves that others may be lifted up. Lord, please do it for us. This is just divinity explained to us and we cannot achieve it by ourselves. But with you, we know it is possible. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Through me, we through me.